0: It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans.
1: After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
0: No, I don't think so. Look at us. We're the captains now. Fitz and Friedel. <laughs> I never get to put my name first, so we're doing that. That's just a thing. This is the swagger that happens after I watch my beloved Raiders win a preseason game. It's Fitz and Friedel on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Jason Fitz, hanging out with Nick Friedel. And, Nick, I mean we just heard it there. Are you ready? to? I need you to bring the thunder of the gods. We are both on a Friday afternoon. We're both going to be on vacation by, I don't know, four hours from now. I'm holding on for dear life. Hang. And just hoping that neither of us get each other fired. That's what I'm hoping.
2: We're going to make it, buddy. We're going to make it. Although I have to tell you that I brought my suitcase with me so I can get to the airport (laughs) on time. So whatever I've got left for the week, you're getting it right now. We are going to make it through the next four.
0: Can I tell you that I'm willing to admit right now I was irrationally excited last night as I cheered loudly for the opening kickoff of a rain-delayed, lightning-delayed preseason Hall of Fame game. I realized in that moment that I might have a problem, Nick. Like, I realized in that moment that I might care a little bit too much, but I also realized in that moment I can't dial it back. Like, this season is going to be a very, very emotional one for me because I watched my beloved Raiders last night. Absolutely throttle the Jags. Now I know it's a preseason game. Yeah, not a lot you can take from a preseason game, but you know this as much as you cover even in the NBA. Like there are there are small moments that you can look at in preseason games and say, Hey, even though the outcome doesn't matter, I want to see if a team's playing a certain way. I want to see if the team comes out with a certain business like approach. Like I thought there were some positive takeaways even from a preseason game last night in the NFL.
2: Well, Fitz, first of all, it's the Jags. So I want you to take a deep breath. <laughs> And just know that they're playing Jacksonville. (laughs) I don't care if it was in week 15 or week one of the preseason in Canton. The Jags have a long way to go. So as much as I agree with you that this may be the Raiders time, there are a lot of different pieces here that make me think, okay, let's all just pump the brakes. But for a first impression, Josh McDaniels in act two here in Vegas With the new group, with a whole new set of of offensive weapons, everything looked like it was clicking pretty well. So as a fan, as you're watching, what did you think at the first jump of Josh McDaniels in silver and black?
0: Uh, Look, I think if you look at Josh McDaniels, just the coach, he's been very honest since he got back into this seat that... He felt like he didn't do a great job relating to people the first time. He felt like he was a little bit too this is the way and this is the way it shall be and uh, too dogmatic, too dictatorial. I want to use big words today. So I it felt like one thing that stood out to me was even his sideline interview after the first quarter. He joked around, right? Like he seemed to be having fun. Yes, he was back in his home stomping ground. all of these things. But also there was just sort of a likability to the way he approached everything. I think that's important because, frankly, this is a team last year that went through wild things that are far more important than football and somehow managed to stay together as a locker room. Coming in and winning that locker room, as we talked a little about yesterday, I think was part of the challenge to see him come out and have a, a very businesslike approach for the guys on the field. But then see Josh McDaniels seem like he was approachable in that process. I thought that was really a a telling difference between the Josh McDaniels we saw in Denver and the Josh McDaniels we see now. And I, I mean, again, I don't care what the sport is. A relationship between players and coaches is more important than ever until you have the resume as an individual coach to say, screw it, I can be whoever I want and I can be mean. Until you reach that point, <laughs> you have to be somewhat likable. I think a lot of Belichick tree guys forget that. You walk in without his resume, you can't be the the uh, general curmudgeon that he is.
2: Not only somewhat likable, fits, but I've noticed it certainly in the NBA and I think it translates to all professional sports leagues. You have to be human in this day and age. You can't be robotic. You can't walk in and say, okay, everybody, this is how we're going to do it. Follow me. I know exactly what to do. Don't ask any questions and do not pass go or collect $200. Josh McDaniels screwed that up, I think, a little bit at times during his tenure in Denver. And it has acknowledged as much in some of the interviews that uh, have come across. So when you see this type of tenure, this much later after he's passed up plenty of other head coaching opportunities. That's the word that I keep coming back to. And if you're a Raiders fan, as you are, that's what's got to make you feel pretty good because you see a coach who seems to have learned from what happened before and is intent on fixing it right away to build the foundation.
0: That's the advantage, Nick, that comes from second time head coaches sometimes now, I will say for everybody, whether you are a gambler, whether you love fantasy sports, there was a massive takeaway from last night's game. Before we get to that, though, while we're talking about Josh McDaniels, this is what Lewis Riddick, ESPN NFL analyst, had to say on Canny and Carlin about what he expects from Josh McDaniels in my city of Las Vegas with my beloved Raiders.
1: He went back to the drawing board during his time back in New England again. He's a guy who was a fantastic coach. There's no question about that. He can X and O with the best of them. He can communicate with the best of them on the practice field. He can call games with the best of them when it counts the most, not just during the regular season, but obviously in the biggest of moments. So he's a guy who now takes everything that he learned from Denver, everything that he then worked on and tried to perfect during his second stint in New England when he went back there, and now has a chance to do it his way. Not try to do it Bill's way, not try to do it the Patriot way, but try to do it the Josh McDaniels way, and I think you'll see him do that.
0: Well, he's also got a lot of weapons to help make that possible. It's Kenny and Carlin, but it's actually Fredell and Fitz. We're going to go back and forth on who gets first billing here, right? <laughs> Uh But there was one massive takeaway, I think, for fantasy football player, uh, players before you get to your draft, for anybody that loves to put a little, uh, a
1: little, bit, a little bit side hustle on this,
0: uh, Josh Jacobs started this game behind the most of the starting offensive line. Uh, and Josh Jacobs played most of the – I mean, played all the first quarter, basically. That is not usual, especially when everybody else of significance was sitting out. There's been a real question, Mark, about what the Raiders were going to do at running back, how they were going to split the carries. Josh uh, McDaniels comes from a real running back by committee sort of uh, past. So the question was, what was it going to look like, especially having drafted Zamir White in the fourth round out of Georgia? I think we got some of that answer last night, that Josh Jacobs is not as set into that RB1 role as a lot of people thought. It's going to be more open, more split, more competition. I'm hammering the under on the overall yardage for Josh Jacobs right now, and he suddenly falls drastically in my fantasy football lineup if I'm thinking about drafting him because I don't know that this coaching staff sees him the same way the Gruden coaching
2: staff did. I think it's a really good point, Fitz, and especially after the first game when you're trying to make sure that everybody that you really care about isn't in harm's way (laughs) to see him out there and getting the work. I mean – Credit to Josh Jacobs, but, uh, you know, I, I would start to worry, especially if you're building one of those fantasy teams and you're believing in him to be one of those workhorses that you can build your roster around. Well, uh, there's some question marks that have to be answered there. But on top of the the question at running back, and obviously we, we didn't shed a lot of light on, on what uh, the, the situation is uh, for Carr behind center last night because he wasn't out there, but – As you look ahead into the marriage of Carr and McDaniels, do you like the idea that McDaniels has learned from his mistakes in Denver and Carr can be the fit he needs him to be offensively now?
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, Carr has been – he's shown in the past, no matter what the coaching instability is around him, that he can thrive in most systems. He's not the type of quarterback that's suddenly going to take – everybody and make them epic but let's be real I mean uh, Zay Jones just got a massive deal with Jacksonville because he played with Derek Carr like Mm -hmm. Nelson Aguilar got a huge deal after playing with Derek Carr like Derek Carr may not be a world beater quarterback for some people I think he's really really good and one thing I think is undeniable look back at you know 2016 when he had Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper he had two great wide receivers he took chances put up big numbers I think in this offense with Josh McDaniels there you know, there there are so many opportunities for Josh McDaniels, the play caller, to decide whether he wants Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, or Hunter Renfro to be the focus. That that is so much weaponry. The only question is going to be, will the offensive line hold up? I mentioned four out of five guys that are expected to start played the majority of that uh, opening portion of that game and a lot of the game overall. And they did get beat up. I mean, they, they lost some sacks on communication. They got some lo- They lost some sacks on just getting beat. So this offensive line might be. This might be a little Bengals-esque. You're hoping that Derek Carr can hang on for dear life, but maybe that's going to be the solution for
2: him. Well, and, and in that regard, Fitz, if it is Bengals-esque, you know that Burrow has the weapons that he likes around him, and obviously that worked in a major way, getting all the, all the way through the AFC last year. The only other thing, aside from the Raiders' optimism that was the pull for me coming out of that game, is when you're watching the Jags, and and we were talking about it a little bit yesterday throughout the show, but you're thinking, all right, this might be a good first step uh, for for Doug Peterson and company, and they look like the same old Jags that we've ever seen. <laughs> it looked like nothing ever changed. I mean, why – Even in that type of spot, when you're not playing a lot of guys, does it always look the same for Jacksonville?
0: Yeah, I I guess my hope is going to be for Jacksonville is going to be that you know when they get their guys in and when everybody is the when they get their main players on the field, maybe that's going to be the thing that can make everybody comfortable. But I don't know, man. Like I'm with you. I kind of watched portions of that and thought. My God, what are they doing? Like I believe in Doug Peterson, and I believe strongly in Trevor Lawrence. Travis Etienne is somebody that uh, we all know is talented. They have talented mm-hmm. players, but man, I, it's it's tougher than it is. It, it it's tougher to find the path to clarity on how they're going to be very good because I don't know that I can see it easily with without a doubt.
2: That is a group that has all the talent on paper, but fits as we're comparing both of these teams, especially in the context of last night. There's a belief that the Raiders can make it happen right away. And it's not just the fan in you that's saying, hey, Carr's got weapons, and let's see what Adams looks like racing up and down the field. We've seen it click before with Carr making the offense go, and we've seen McDaniels for years in in New England make his game plan work. So on top of that, it seems like the Raiders have the pieces and the optimism to make everything happen instantly with the jags, all it is right now is hope, and there's only so long that you can <laughs> you you can sell that to a fan base that has been really croaking after the urban Meyer experience last year,
0: yeah, and you are so right about selling hope that the most difficult part about that is like going into the preseason when you know that hope is what's being sold just eventually just wears you down over and over and over again because at some point. You can only sell hope every year. It's like a weird dysfunctional relationship. I'm not sure they have as much hope today as they did yesterday when it comes to the Rams because we got some disturbing news about their quarterback and what could be going on. We'll tell you all about it. But first, I got to tell you about Vivid Seats. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing. See what we did there for now? Full swing. Baseball season.
2: You can be there.
0: Catch all the action live with Vivid Seats. Get out to the ballpark, experience every home run, every web gem, every walk-off, and with Vivid Seats rewards, you'll start earning free tickets from your very first purchase. Buy 10 tickets, get the 11th one free. Free stuff! Who doesn't love that? It's like getting 10% back on every ticket. From the box seats to the bleachers, Vivid Seats as you covered with tickets at great prices all summer long. Just visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats Life Happens Live. not going to lie, I feel pretty strong right now. Nick Friedle, Jason Fitz, I just read. I don't know. Nick, things are going weird.
2: If Nailed I start it. reading appropriately. Nailed Woo! it, buddy. Yeah, it's Here we go.
0: Supposedly it's Candy and Carlin, but this is the much cooler, much better looking version of that. Nick Friedle, Jason Fitz, hanging out in for the guys. Uh, we're uh, we're going to get you caught up on a lot over the course of the next couple hours, including, but not limited to a very important chicken wing conversation, but uh, more important than chicken wings are quarterback elbows, and right now, there might be some concern for Rams fans, as it seems that Sean McVay, head coach, seems to be concerned about uh, what this tendonitis issue looks like for Matt Stafford in his elbow. Now, before we get to our thoughts, Sarah Barshop, ESPN, NFL Nation, Los Angeles Rams reporter, was on Freddie and Fitzsimmons, and this is what she had to say about the level of concern over the elbow troubles.
3: To me, the reason that it would not be concerning is because he played through it last year, and from talking to Sean McVay, it sounds like it's, it's pain. And Matthew Stafford, as Rothstein probably knows pretty well, has dealt with that pain through his career. He's He's played through injuries like that. So it is concerning. Of course it's concerning, but I think if I was a fan, I would be more concerned if it was something where he couldn't throw or it was affecting his throwing versus
1: he was feeling
3: pain while throwing.
0: So, Nick, I don't know. When I've got a defending Super Bowl champion with a quarterback that is not you know, necessarily a spring chicken coming off of the longest season he's ever had to play because they went through all rounds of the playoffs to win a Super Bowl, I I think I'd be pretty concerned about tendonitis flaring up, even if he's played through it in the past, because he's never played through it in the past following a season like he just had to play through
2: Especially doing all the things he had to do to make that happen, Fitz. That's the issue to me is that we know Stafford, having gone through all his time in Detroit, can be out there and play through a lot of different injuries and a lot of different pain. But when you're coming off those extra gigantic games, I think it's a really good point. Because we don't know how Stafford is going to respond, not only after the, the extra big moments, but this is not a guy who's 25 anymore. <laughs> and it was always, oh, well, Stafford's getting hit, but he'll bounce back. He's he's young. He's got plenty of time to, to get some rehab and feel better. And those injuries are a lot tougher to shake off once you're a decade plus into the league. So, It is something to watch for, but if Matthew Stafford has proven anything throughout his career, it's that more often than not, no matter what is going on with his body, he will find a way to be out there and play. And when you're the defending champs and you have that type of belief in the quarterback who got you there, that can go a long way.
0: There are also points where I take a lot out of what a coach says. Now, I I made the joke yesterday with Freddie Coleman. I asked Freddie, and I'll ask you, Nick, have you ever gone to see a psychic? No. Okay, see. Have you? No, no, no. I haven't gone to see a psychic. But, you know, if I ever decide to see a psychic, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the most dumpster fire friend in my life, the person that has absolutely nothing going for him, I'm going to send them in first, and if they come out uh, from visiting that psychic in tears saying, I'm never going to get my life together, I'm going to die alone, I'm never going to have a real job, my life is just going to be a waste, that's a psychic I'll go see forever because they told the truth, right? <laughs> so uh, that's, like, to me, when we start- Everybody's got it, that friend. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, 100%. You send that person in, guy or girl, when they come out, you're like, wow, this psychic is legit, she figured that out quick, Right. <laughs> I'm going to give that person my money to figure out what's going on in my life all day, every day that (laughs) relates to coaches to me because coaches always come out and tell you what you want to hear. Like they tell you they are like Miss Cleo. They're all going to give you whatever they have to keep giving you to keep everybody happy. They're never going to say anything. So with that being said, when Sean McVay says that they don't want to call it tendinitis and says it's quote a tricky deal or it's quote abnormal for a quarterback or it's quote, things that MLB pitchers might deal with and a team is learning more about it, quote, on the fly. Like when coaches start to say that, it's not a big deal, but when you consider the way coaches usually couch things, now it becomes a very big deal. Now I do have that psychic that's looking at me saying like, hey, I don't want to tell you things are going to be bad for you on June seventh, twenty 2023, but I wouldn't make long-term plans. Like that's starting to – like that's where I take this. When the coach starts to give you just a little hesitation, that's a big deal to me.
2: Fitz, they're planting the seeds for what may happen <laughs> down the line. That is very obvious. when When you start to hear a little more honesty from any coach – it does raise up the red flag of all right, what the hell's going on here? Uh, because I I want to juxtapose what McVeigh is saying against what Robert Sala said the other day about Joe Flacco still being <laughs> a number one quarterback <laughs> in the league. Which you know uh, we, maybe we need to see it, send some uh, some Jets personnel in to see Miss Cleo. But the reality is, when McVeigh is is planting those seeds, the the feeling absolutely could be that hey this is something that may linger for a while and when you're starting to read through those messages like that you just think that maybe this is something that Stafford isn't able to shake off the way he's shaken off so many other things in the past so I still believe he'll be out there I still believe he will be able to play at a high level and we know he's got a lot of pride fits because he went through a lot of losing in Detroit having said all that if you're are, are are dealing with these type of injuries now and uh, Sean McVay is saying what he's saying in the moment absolutely it should be something that everybody looks out for as the season begins
0: especially in an NFC that's incredibly different than the AFC the AFC is, in, is packed this year the NFC is not there's still a very real expectation for the Rams to be One of, if not the best teams out of the NFC. I think a lot of people still expect them to be in the Super Bowl conversation. They will not be in that conversation without Matt Stafford as their quarterback. And I think this is a little bit of a moment for concern for everybody. We'll keep breaking it down. But also, Kevin Stefanski, the head coach of the Browns, said something incredibly interesting about how Cleveland's handling the unknown now with Deshaun Watson's suspension. We'll talk about it with an expert next. Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Nick Friedell, Jason Fitz, in for the guys.
4: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business.
0: Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, ESPN Plus, and of course, your smart speakers. Uh-huh, Nick Fredell, Jason Fitz, in for everybody. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. I don't know, this music just makes me kind of want to slow dance with Nick. I'm just, I'm not going to lie. Can I, I tell right a there, story so, really quickly about yeah, this
2: jam, uh, Mr. Fitz? When yeah, I really yeah, needed ahead. to get my life in order, probably go uh-huh. talk to Miss Cleo before a Bulls game back in the day in Chicago. The game would be about 20, 30 minutes about to start, and I would throw this song on my laptop and listen to it on repeat a few times just to to get myself in order. Go watch some Bulls basketball.
0: I like that. I like that this kind of centers you. You know, we've all got those songs that kind of put you in the right mindset, the right place. I like that. That's That's a... Look at that. We, we need to have more of these peaceful jams coming into this Friday. By the end of it, you're going to feel like you're on cloud nine. Also known as how I usually feel after two or three edibles on a Friday night. All right. Jeff Darlington joining us now, ESPN NFL reporter. Uh, Jeff, uh, I, thanks for joining us. Thanks for hanging out with us on a Friday afternoon. We are way off the rails, obviously. Uh, we know the NFL's appealed to Deshaun Watson's suspension. We haven't seen a response from the NFLPA. I'm looking for a little clarity because I was talking to a couple former players yesterday and the day before about all of this, trying to understand if the NFLPA decides to appeal the appeal, would that make Deshaun Watson eligible to play week one, or does the original suspension stand through this entire process of the appeal, no matter how it goes through?
3: Well, so Fitz, after this ruling, so basically today I'm going to try to clarify this a little bit because you just confused everybody who's listening when you said the you. appeal the appeal. You. you know what I mean? But that's, uh, that's what I'm here for, to clarify. Um, so, so at the end of today, the NFLPA will submit their response to the appeal. But ultimately, that doesn't really mean anything in terms of it's not going to provide new evidence or anything like that. Peter Harvey, the guy that Roger Goodell designated to make this ruling, who's not independent or neutral, he's literally a designation of Roger Goodell, um, he'll make his decision. And I would expect that probably happens like midweek next week if I had to guess. NFL hasn't given an exact timeline, but that's my guess. So at that point, when they make that decision, say they say that it's a year suspension and a fine of, let's say, a million dollars, literally pulling that out. But the NFL did tell me that there'll probably be a fine involved. At that point, it's over. As far as the personal conduct policy is concerned, it is done. The suspension is binding. There's no more to the process of that. However, and this is, I think, what you're getting at here, is that it would be in the form of a lawsuit. Deshaun Watson would essentially do what Tom Brady did after Deflategate, what Ezekiel Elliott did after his six-game suspension was handed to him. They sued under the the belief that Roger Goodell does not have the power to do what he is doing. And in all those instances – the players ultimately lost. But with Ezekiel Elliott, when he made that lawsuit, so the suspension was handed down on August 17th of 2017, and it was a six-game suspension. He sued. the, The first court that he sued in, they filed an injunction to allow him to play while the case was being heard. Not until October 15th did Ezekiel Elliott, after five different court cases, did Ezekiel Elliott finally withdraw his appeal and serve a suspension? So not until week 10. So if that happens here, it is very possible, to your point, that Deshaun Watson could be on the field week one.
2: Jeff, as this lingers across the league, we've heard what the Browns have said publicly. We've heard through Diana Russini what Deshaun Watson's camp has said. Mm -hmm. As you talk to people across the NFL, is there a frustration from other teams other players and coaches that this thing is now hovering over everything else that everybody is doing I don't think so because I, I don't I mean I don't get the sense the
3: teams you know the Dolphins for instance would love uh if the Deshaun Watson case would linger for as long as possible so you know so they're staying out at the uh the spotlight with their deal I, I think that in general if there's been one like curiosity that's kind of come from this throughout the league, it's, it's the, the disciplinary process where people are like, wait a second. So Sue Robinson was hired by the NFL and the NFLPA to oversee this case. She handed down a six-game suspension, and then the NFL didn't like that, so they just changed it. And the answer to that question is yes. And I think that's what's been most confusing to players and teams around the league is trying to figure out: is that really the process now? And it is, and it was negotiated by the NFLPA. Literally, Watson's own union said that if a team, if if you appeal a discipline, that if the NFL appeals it, it will be heard by Roger Goodell. So ultimately, it comes back to Goodell. That, to me, is probably the one thing that has been most, um, uh, you know, most questioned by the league uh to me anyway
0: we're talking to jeff darlington the SPNFO reporter and to that end i was pretty hard on the players uh the other day on radio uh, about that very thing like how did you ever let this mm-hmm. go through and i had a former player uh, text me and say look this impacts so few players that why would you let this mm-hmm. be the thing that holds up the collective bargaining agreement if this is Fair. the way it goes down now though and everybody sees this is that something that would be such a big deal to anybody involved that they would try and go back to the table and make any changes?
3: So, well first of all they can't. I mean the the, the it was negotiated. They're not they're not going to have any luck um at this point renegotiate, you know, until renegotiations come up in what eight more years. Right. Um but look, I also think t- to the person's point who you spoke to, it it it's a bummer that the, I'm sure the NFL is looking at it like this too. So Jerry Jones, for instance, after the Ezekiel Elliott thing went down and, and the ire was placed on Roger Goodell, cause he's the one who gave that suspension in the 2020 CBA. The owners also wanted the onus to be taken off Goodell. They didn't want him to be the face of these disciplinary measures anymore. They wanted that whole judge jury and execution thing to be taken away from him. The players were cool with it too, So, They have that safeguard in there that Goodell could ultimately rule over the appeal, but he wants nothing to do with that. The problem is the first case, the first instance of this new policy being in place has to do with a player who is sued by 24 different women for inappropriate conduct during massages. I mean, it's one of the weirdest cases that we've ever heard of in terms of discipline. So it's just kind of a bummer that this is the first case that they're having to do in this disciplinary process. Cause it makes it look like the NFL is just like, Oh, we didn't get what we wanted. We're just going to go ahead and, uh, and fix that. And I don't think that's what even the NFL wanted to do.
2: Jeff, as far as changing the process, if, if that is what ends up happening, does the NFL just unilaterally change a personal conduct policy like they did after Ray Rice? How does it work? I don't, guys, I I don't, (laughs) I got
3: to be honest. I don't think there's a lot of people out there saying, man, this system is whack. Uh, Deshaun Watson only got six games and now the NFL can fix it. It kind of feels like this is the point. I mean, is there a lot of people other than fans uh, of Cleveland who really think that six games was the appropriate punishment for Deshaun Watson? So I'm not trying to add my opinion in here, But my sense, talking to a lot of people, is that the majority, strong majority, felt like he should have gotten more, and the the process as it is playing out seems to be fixing that.
0: Jeff, as always, man, we appreciate your time. Appreciate your insight, and I'm just bummed I didn't get to ask you about the Raiders winning the Super Bowl this year. It's obviously going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. Babe. It's okay, going to happen. Thank you so much. You know what? Drinks are on me at our Super Bowl party. That's a, that, that's <laughs> I can't wait, at. bud. Uh, appreciate you. Have a great weekend, brother. All right. See you, man. Uh, Jeff Darlington giving us uh, the lowdown. I think he makes a uh, – this is all very interesting and difficult because this is the first. And we have to remember that this is the precedent, so we're all sort of flying by the seat of our pants – Under new punishment systems, no matter what was done in the past, and that makes all difficult to analyze. Candy and Carlin, presented by Progressive Insurance. All right, Uh, you know important things to break down about wings, blue cheese, and ranch. We'll get to all of that coming up. It's Fitz and Fredell, really uh, hanging out with ESPN Radio. Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio, SiriusXM XM Channel 80, Nick Friedel, Jason Fitz in for the guys. Nick, okay, th- this is one of the weird things I learned when I moved to Connecticut. Like, Connecticut is weirdly passionate about their love of wings, right? Like I and, and I get it. Like, cool, that's your thing, fine. But I will say the wings here are pretty delightful. But here I am just sitting there watching last night, and I'm watching Mark Davis, and, uh, like, the, the camera goes to the billionaire owner of the Raiders, the guy that moves the franchise to Vegas, now has a – franchise valued at over four billion dollars and they catch him mid-flat like he's just right in the middle of ripping that thing apart gotta be embarrassed having that be like the first moment you're on tv like it's not just about the haircut or the 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 fashion choice it's about the wing selection even as a Raiders fan I was like man this is not going to be a good look
2: but it humanized Mark Davis even more because I feel like if you mention Mark Davis instantly, you think about whatever the hell is on top of that head with the hairdo fits and this made him like every other fan watching a football game. He's just eating some wings, hanging out, having a good time. Are we, are we are we Team Flats or Team Drumstick by the way? Drumstick for me.
0: Oh, my God, what kind of savage are you? Why would you want the extra work and the extra fat? Like, you stick your finger between the, the edge of the bottom of the flat. You, you snap it apart, and then you can, and you got both sides done. Like, this is perfect. Why would you're, you
2: want the drumstick? Because you're talking to a burger man who has drumsticks once or twice a year. I'm not way invested in the drumstick game. But there's a much more important question that I need you to, okay, uh, to lead me okay. to here.
0: Okay, well, what? You, no, you can go ahead and ask the question, because uh, I'll give you the real answer you need. Go ahead. You can ask it. Go ahead.
2: Ranch or blue cheese?
0: Ranch dressing is trash. It's garbage, and it's glorified mayonnaise. All right? So the answer to this is always blue cheese. Like, I ah! like ranch. Like, if you get the ranch seasoning, I'll put a little ranch seasoning on, to, on something. I don't mind the flavor of ranch seasoning. But ranch dressing, ranch dip, ranch, any of that is just glorified mayo, and mayo is garbage. So all of it's garbage. Throw it in the trash.
2: There are two things on my no-fly list that I cannot eat anymore for the rest of my life. One, with a bullet, gefilte fish. (laughs) Never, ever, ever, ever will I have gefilte fish ever again. Number that's, two that's is blue cheese because it is one of the most disgusting dressings that there is. And anytime I even smell it, I get sick to my stomach. So Are you out on like blue cheese crumbles too? Hell no. Nothing with blue cheese. It is disgusting. What the hell do you eat on your hamburgers
0: then? Like blue cheese on a burger is delightful. Like the blue cheese crumbles in there get like oh, melty into the beef. Ketchup.
2: I want to oh spill my it God. all over.
0: You have, the, you have the palate of a child, and that comes from me, and I am a child. We'll, we'll, keep, we'll get your thoughts on it. Like I, I, Friedel's lost his damn mind. We'll keep breaking down everything you need to know about wings. It's team flat and blue cheese.
4: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition.
0: This thing has gone suddenly very awry. What started out as the mega powers, you know, it was it was Macho Man and Hulk Hogan together. And and we were having a good time. Nick Friedel, Jason Fitz, we were having a good time. Everybody thought we were gonna be the tag team champions of the world and then all of a sudden Bam, it it was torn apart, and now here I am because I'm definitely macho, man, in this equation, Uh, you know, and all of a sudden I'm I'm taking on from from the side. He never saw it coming, and we're in a full battle. It's Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio, SiriusXM XM Channel 80, ESPN Plus, smart speakers, Jason Fitz, Nick Friedel. Look, one of us is correct, and that's me because I'm Team Flats and Blue Cheese. The other side is Team Drumstick and Ranch. When we break down our wings here, And I don't know how to feel about this. Like, I feel betrayed. I I feel like something has gone wrong. I feel like somebody didn't hug you enough. I don't know what happened. 888, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. You guys can chime in on this. But, like, first and foremost, nobody prefers the drumsticks to the flats. There's a reason that wing places charge more to get just the flats because they know idiots like me will pay, pay the premium for the clean snap, eat, and dip that comes from it. Also, like, the clean dip is underrated because I ripped the flat in half. So now I've got two halves. Now I can dunk each half, and I mean submerge each half, in a bucket of blue cheese dressing that hopefully has massive, large clumps that will come out with it that I can chew on with a bite. Like, that is the
2: right way to eat a wing, good sir. Fitz, I'm getting sick right now even listening to stories (laughs) about blue cheese. (laughs) I hate it. I hate it. I, I, I hate salads. That's very clear with, when you look at my <laughs> my body bur- built by burgers. But on top of the fact that I hate salads, I think one of the reasons why is when I would, I would get one in front of me, it would almost always be blue cheese dressing. I'd be like, what is this crap? It is terrible. Who likes blue cheese? If the, if the choices are ranch or blue cheese, it's not a choice. Ranch plays to all fields, and everybody likes it a lot more than whatever the hell is the mixture of blue cheese. That Just saying it makes my skin crawl.
0: Look, everybody likes it doesn't make it great. Like, uh, I mean, come on. It's the better of two options. Everybody liked Mbop, and that didn't make it a great song. I mean, let's just be (laughs) real here. Like, Ranch, at this point, and I do love Hanson, by the way. That was their worst material, was the mop. It went It went uphill from there. Uh, but Ranch <laughs> is just glorified mayo. Like, you're just taking some stuff and you're putting in mayonnaise, and mayonnaise, at its core, is disgusting. So, and by the way, you, of everything you say over the course of this four-hour show, nothing, and you know this, is going to get you an angry text faster from one Sarah Spain than saying you don't like salad. Like, she's already going to be up in the house. I mean, she you kills me. For, she's
2: been killing me for my... Uh, my, my- Dining choices for about a decade and a half, so <laughs> she, she knows full well that uh, I am not the—I uh, I don't have the world's finest palate. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you and me both. I mean, I, it is
0: regular on Spain. If fits a delightful show you can listen to from seven to nine p.m. Eastern Monday through Friday on ESPN Radio. That I am reminded, I eat like a child. I'll remind you, Candy and Carlin, brought to you by CSX Veterans. CSX is hiring. Apply at csx.com/slash. Careers. Triple Eight. Say ESPN. Eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. That's how you get in on this. Mike in Wilmington. Mike, save me here. Mike, tell tell Nick Farnell that he has lost his mind. Tell him he's wrong, and why? Blue cheese is the dressing of the gods. Thank you. Ranch. Ranch is trash. <laughs> And I, but I will disagree with Fitz on this. Flats and wings together. I, I am an equal opportunity wing
2: eater. Okay. But it's got to have the blue cheese
0: mike thanks for the call and look i'll take the mix and match i just don't ever want to do more work like that's just a thing for me in life i never want to do more work and i feel like once i'm a few like snap dip like cover like uh, let me be clear too uh, nick in case in case i'm not making this abundantly clear when i snap my flat into two halves i use it almost like a uh, it's less a flat at that point and it's more a Deep spoon vessel to to scoop a, a just massive amount of, <laughs> of blue cheese in with the delightful flavor of the wing. So I'm using it like a spoon. I'm spooning in blue cheese at this point with my flats. I I can't do that with the with the drumstick. And if I take one bite of the drumstick, I can't re dip it. Like I'm not a total savage.
2: Oh, see, you're going to tell me next that you've got your own, your own individual dipping, <laughs> dipping sauce forever. You're the guy who makes sure that you have the extra at the table. They bring one sauce for the plate of wings, and then they bring Fitz's own. 100%. Like, that's the right way to do it.
0: Cheese. Or if I'm doing a double, like, if, we, if we're talking about, like, chips and cheese, like nacho chips or whatever, like, I'll always make sure the whole table knows I've split the chip first so that I'm not doing a double dip. I am <laughs> that is individual key. That dip. is very
2: uh, crucial. I you am, have to I acknowledge am, that publicly.
0: That of course. I'm also about to acknowledge publicly why the Chiefs are about to go down in the AFC West. We'll do it next on ESPN Radio.
1: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring.